0: Welcome back to the MarTech
1: Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Knit. Knit enables businesses of all sizes to reach their customers through audio ads on premium podcast content like CNN, Bleacher Report, and TMZ. The way Knit works is they're a dynamic ad insertion platform, which allows you to choose the shows, geographies, and keywords you want to target with podcast ads. And since Knit is a self-service platform, there's no minimum order sizes to figure out if podcasting works for you. I'm a Knit customer, and I can vouch that it's an incredibly easy, it's a cost-effective way to market your product or service. I've used it to market the MarTech podcast. So if you're interested in learning about podcast advertising in general or the Knit platform, you can book a 30-minute strategy session with me to learn about Nit by clicking on the link in our show notes or by going to benjshap.com/nit. That's K-N-I-T. So click the link in our show notes or head over to benjshap.com/nit to schedule your podcast advertising strategy session with me to build your podcast audience with Nit, bringing podcast advertising to the people. That's Nit. Today we're going to continue our discussion on how to leverage influencers and reviews to boost the visibility and credibility of your brand. Joining us is Joe Sinkowitz, who is the co-founder and CEO of Intellifluence, which is a SaaS tool that helps brands discover the right influencers for their products, pitch them, and get honest reviews that turn into sales. Prior to launching Intellifluence, Joe worked at an SEO agency and a content marketplace, so he's got a wide set of experiences that have led us to him today. Yesterday, Joe walked us through the values of reviews and reputation management, and today, he's going to give us his view of how to use influencers to drive reviews and other valuable marketing assets. Here is the second part of our interview with Joe Sinkwitz, the founder of Intellifluence. Joe, welcome back to the MarTech Podcast.
2: Always good to be here.
1: It's great to have you back. Yesterday, we talked a lot about reputation and reviews, the importance of what people are saying about you in online forums. And today, I want to talk to you about what I think is the most interesting thing about Intellifluence is that you're using influencers to create the reviews. Talk to me a little bit about what influencers are and why they are so valuable in terms of building a reputation.
2: Probably the simplest definition is... An influencer is anyone that you can get to tell the story for you. Therefore, by definition, your reputation is managed by these very people who are telling your story for you. So by using influencers, you are ad hoc managing reputation just as a starter.
1: Okay. So to me, that means influencers can really be anyone. You know, I think of influencers. You mentioned the Kardashians in our last conversation, which we published yesterday, and Kylie Jenner getting paid $700,000 to post about something on her Instagram feed To me, when I think of influencers, I think of people that are making tons of money because they have large following on social networks. And the way that you're describing it is influencers could be anybody who's talking about your product in any forum. How do I reconcile the difference of the stereotypical view of an influencer being one of the Kardashians and how you're describing it?
2: Well, I think the chief concern is that almost everyone views influencers like you have been initially where they're the celebrity, they're the aspirational influencers, we want to be like them. The reality is that anyone with access to social media is technically an influencer. So the disconnect tends to be, how do you find those specific individuals that represent your buying audience, get in front of them, work out a negotiation and have them represent your product? because that's gonna be significantly more cost-effective than trying to deal with a celebrity, especially if you're new to market.
1: So let's go through the process of putting an influencer strategy together. To me, there's three things that stick out in my mind. The first is fit. Are they someone that's relevant to your brand? The second is accessibility. Can you engage with them and have a conversation? And the third one is reach. So how do you think about building an influencer program that has people that are going to speak well of your product that you can get access to and also has a meaningful amount of reach. So when they're actually doing the promotion, it has a business impact.
2: So I'm going to cheat a little bit. I'm just going to reference Intellifluence the way that we do things personally, just to save time and effort.
1: Beg, borrow, and steal.
2: Yeah. So because we're a warm network, What that means is everyone that's in our system has signed up specifically to be there. As part of that sign-up process for an influencer, they're letting us know what their category of interest is. I tried to guide them to say, think of it as a mashup between your dating profile and your resume. What do you like to do? And what do you actually do to make a living? that mixture of interests and experience make it a lot easier for a brand to find someone that is going to be the fit. So that takes care of that fit piece. It also takes care of the accessibility piece. Because if you're working with any sort of warm network, you're by definition working with someone that already want to work with someone like you. Then this is a calculation of reach. And that could be tricky because it comes down to if you have a product where you can provide the product as compensation, you may not necessarily need a very large reach to have an impact, especially if you're dealing with a SaaS product where your incremental cost for adding an additional seat for someone to write about you might be close to zero. Therefore, everyone that's a categorical fit might be a good person to push out. Maybe you might limit a certain number of people versus the overall reach and you know, hierarchy of the highest lowest. From there, you might look at the overall product cost as a function of reach. But most networks will provide a method for you to sort by size. And there is no hard and fast rule. Because every product is a little bit unique, you have to test. You absolutely have to look at the data from a very small test. Maybe that should be the only thing you start with. Only try to do maybe a handful, one to five people initially. Mix it up maybe go with someone that has 200,000 followers in whatever network you're on, someone that's 10,000, maybe someone that's brand new, just to see what is the difference? Is there a difference in the overall quality of the review? Does the person that has no following, do they phone it in? Maybe they don't take it seriously. Does the person that has a very high following take it extremely seriously because this is their job? So you need to get that data back before you can make a really good reach calculation. But if you really need to cheat, chances are you're not going to be the first to get reviews on this particular channel in your industry. What are your competitors doing? Are they having success? You can use a tool like Nacho Analytics to try to determine whether or not they're getting success by plugging in their domain to see what kind of traffic is coming into them from those channels, maybe even specifically from those specific influencers, and gauge back it out. What was the overall following of the influencer? How much traffic did they get? Can you draw an inference on the amount of sales they got, and then create a campaign backwards from there?
1: Interesting. So in terms of the effectiveness of influencers, how do you prioritize influencer outreach as a channel? How much should marketers be investing into this? I think the default for most marketers, specifically on the consumer side, is let's just throw some budget at Facebook and try to retarget people and use email marketing. And it seems like influencer marketing could easily be just as big of a channel. How do you prioritize this as opposed to email marketing, paid social, organic, SEO? Where should influencer marketing live in that mix?
2: I think the difficulty of that question is the use case of influencer marketing actually touches upon search. It touches upon social. It really depends on the ultimate KPI for the individual and what they're trying to accomplish. If I'm trying to do paid Facebook ads, I might always plug in influencers before I do my ad groups because I want to test to see which cohort ended up performing the best and then doing lookalike audiences on those individuals to kick off my ads to accelerate my success rate before the algorithm trains on what works and what doesn't. So from there, I might allocate 10 to 20% of my overall paid social budget on influencers. For organic search, it might actually be higher because I could use influencers to both create content that might live on my site, as well as content that lives external to my site that's pointing to my site. So I'm able to take care of content and links at the same time. I advocated, obviously, and I was the chief of revenue for CopyPress, which is the largest content creator in the United States. So I recognize that you could use influencers solely for your organic search purposes if you wanted to. I would probably say that's going to be rare. I'd say probably up to like a third of overall budget being spent on influencers. And that's probably going to end up skewing for organic search purposes, primarily for the acquisition of links. Some of because if you're able to get individuals that are in your category writing about you, that means they're probably going to be writing about you on channels relevant to your site. It's not just a matter of getting links that count and are going to work for you, but the traffic from those links might also end up converting as well. So I could see people who would overweight budget towards that.
1: A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex, ready to take your team from I think to I know. So are there any, you mentioned that there are tiers of different influencers. How do you think of what is small, medium, and large? And generally, what's the associated cost? Let's exclude the idea of giving your product away for free and just build that into cost, even though it's not necessarily money that's being exchanged hands. How do you think of what to pay for an influencer of a specific size? What are the general ranges, small, medium, and large?
2: A marketer's favorite answer, it depends. And it really, really depends by industry. It depends by medium as well. So if you look at getting a small influencer on Twitter, maybe it's someone that has fewer than 5,000 followers, I would view that as a small influencer. How much work is required for the actual influence? It might be something as simple as a picture of the product and 280 characters. Well, that's really different than YouTube where 5,000 subscribers on YouTube feels like it's more, as well as the amount of work that goes into creating a video is significantly higher. So you're going to to pay them more. Paying for a small tweet might be something as low as like $10. Paying for a smallish YouTube video, you might not be able to get anything for less than 100. That's where that discrepancy comes into play. Now I'll see individuals that have over like an aggregate of a million followings. I view that in terms of add up their Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, whatever it might be. If it's around a million or more, chances are they're charging a 1000 bucks and above per post. And usually, they're going to post it in most of their channels for their own purposes as well as to help you out. Because there is that reach, going back to the compulsion marketing from yesterday, if the audience sees it on YouTube and then sees it again on Twitter and Facebook, there's that reputation aspect of it. But over a million, you're probably paying over a thousand easily. If it's under a million to say like 20,000, you're probably paying anywhere between 50 and a thousand. Under that, you can get away paying 50 and below. But again, it depends on industry. The more saturated an industry is with influencers, the less you have to pay because there's a competition to drive the price down.
1: Just like with anything, when you're in an industry where there are fewer people and more valuable relationships, your CPAs are going to go up. It's expected that you're going to spend a bunch more marketing a $10,000 a month subscription for a SaaS tool than if you're going to be selling a widget on Amazon. Those are two different buyers, different buyer journeys, lots more has to go into that conversion. But I do appreciate you actually giving numbers and a range Tell me a little bit how I should think about influencer marketing in terms of where it fits in the funnel. Do you think influencer marketing is best for lead generation? Is it a conversion tool? Is it used multiple times throughout the buyer flow? Talk to me about your thoughts of where it should be used.
2: Absolutely. So I've seen it used all over the funnel. I see it used primarily top of funnel, especially as brands are launching and they're trying to build awareness for something. However, in certain channels for influencer marketing, it's very much like direct response where you're getting in front of an individual that has already recognized they have a need for the product and they're purchasing. One of the companies that made me even aware of influencers to begin with is a company out of Australia by the name of Frank Body. It's a cosmetic type brand based on coffee grounds. And I am a guy that wears t-shirts and exercise shorts every day. I am so far removed from that world that I don't understand it. But they built their entire empire off of Instagram, just the product in the description, a link to purchase the product. So it acted as a direct response channel for them. They treated it almost like it's Facebook ads or AdWords, which is lower funnel. People are searching for the product. They're coming across a post related to the product. So I do see in some cases where it's lower funnel. But it also depends a lot on what your actual product is. If you're doing B2B SaaS high-dollar product, you're almost certainly going to be higher in the funnel for influencer marketing. You're going to be looking at using this as like drive the awareness, get them to get into the lead flow somehow so you can nurture that lead over over email or demos and that sort of thing. If it's going to be more of a transactional nature product where it's a lower cost, then it's going to be a lot lower in the funnel usually.
1: Tell me about the analytics of tracking influencers. How do you gauge the reach that an influencer have when they post content related to you? And how are you measuring that all the way through to ROI?
2: It is so tricky. And again, it depends a lot by the medium itself. Some mediums are easier than others for us to scrape. So, scraping Twitter is not very hard. You could see what type of following an individual has what type of engagement they might have in terms of likes and comments. That's fairly straightforward. From there as well, if you end up providing every influencer with a unique link, even if it's a matter of specific UTM parameters, then you could track it back and you could tag it accordingly with an analytics and associate it either as the direct sale or share of sale later on. For some networks, it's a lot harder to gauge. Some networks, you do not get a real easy representation of what the ultimate reach was because maybe they don't break out the overall numbers if something is shared out. So like Instagram is a little tricky. They will continually change so that it makes it harder to scrape. We're experts in scraping. So we're constantly having to update how we're hitting Facebook and Instagram. It's a weekly game of the format changing just enough to where you have to go in manually to take a look to see what was the actual reach. And even then, the numbers are not always accurate. So that's a tricky question. The question of the trackability is easier. If you're able to do it via that unique URL, then you're able to track anything. If you're not able to do it that way, then what you want to do is provide some sort of coupon code that is specific to the influencer as a means to track maybe not necessarily all the sales associated with that influencer, but at the very least what their overall influence was. Because if that coupon code gets shared around and it makes its way through the web and all people are purchasing, at the very least you're able to say, this exists because of the initial activity. It's a little bit fuzzier, but it does at least allow you to try to apply some rough math to how much did you pay How much of a discount did you have to provide if it's a coupon code or if it's a link? And then how much do you make in gross after that?
1: It's actually one of the biggest problems that I see in the podcast industry is that because virtually everything goes through the Apple iTunes store, which is a walled garden, it's impossible to have any sort of click attribution. So when there is a promotion on a podcast, it's all done through audio. There's nowhere to click, so you can't actually track how much value you're getting from somebody talking about your business or product, which as a podcaster makes advertising relationships a little complicated. Any last words or any other bits of knowledge that marketers need to know about influencer marketing or Intellifluence?
2: I'd say that the biggest thing you could do if you're interested in trying out influencer marketing is join as an influencer in some of these networks to get an understanding about how they're treated and how they're compensated and how they work. That's going to give you a really good insight when you're ready to go on the brand side of things and engage these influencers. And it'll also help you to determine that there is a large differentiation. There were over 300 influencer networks that started in the last couple of years. It's already going through rapid consolidation. So you're going to want to do a little bit of research to make sure that they're going to stick around so you're not going to have to go through a lengthy onboarding process, only to have to start over again. The other thing is, I've written a book on this subject, it's called The Ultimate Guide to Using Influence for Marketing. You can find it on Amazon, and occasionally I do run specials to get reviews for that, of course. The other it would be actually for this channel. There's a couple thousand iOS and Android users in our network and networks like us. It would be somewhat trivial to get downloads as well as reviews from those channels in exchange for something nominal, whether it's a shout-out or whether it's a reduced pricing on one of your sponsors.
1: Interesting, okay. Well, last question I have for you. We asked this to everybody on the show. What advice do you have for the younger marketers who are just starting out their careers who might be interested in influencer marketing or your career path?
2: Well, my career path was really weird, so I wouldn't necessarily go the route where you're the king of payday loans, and can get a little bit stressful. I'll say just keep going. Probably the most significant positive attribute I've had in my career is just relentlessness. That's made up for any deficiencies that I might have in talent. Just continuing to show up day after day after day has made all the difference. And if you're showing up, you're probably gonna be fine.
1: Huge part of success, just showing up every day. Great advice. Thank you so much for the knowledge about influencers. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech podcast. Thanks to Joe Sinkowitz for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Joe, you can click on the link in our show notes to his bio or go to his website, Intellifluence, I-N-T-E-L-L-I-F-L-U-E-N-C-E.com. A special thanks to Knit for sponsoring this podcast. If you're interested in using podcast advertising to grow your audience's reach, still got a few spots available for podcast advertising strategy sessions this month. So click the link in our show notes or go to benjshap.com slash knit. That's K-N-I-T to book a media strategy session with me. If you're a subscriber to the Martech podcast, thank you for being a member of our community. If you have questions, comments, if you'd like to be a guest on the show, go to benjshap.com slash question, and you can leave me a voicemail. And if you have a question that you'd like to be answered on the MarTech podcast, we will include the recording of your voice on the show. You can also reach out to us on social media. My handle is Ben J. Schapp, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P on both LinkedIn and Twitter. If you haven't subscribed yet and you want a weekly stream of marketing, technology, knowledge in your podcast feed, we've got some great episodes lined up over the next few weeks. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed in no time. Okay, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy
0: thanks for listening to the martech podcast and i hear everything production Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.